the most significant of all entities. But during this season, we also enter into the tension of waiting. As we await Christ's second advent, we feel the longing of those who waited for his first arrival. We eagerly await the certain return of the long-expected Jesus. And when life is full of chaos, confusion, disappointment, we pray to hasten his return, calling out, Oh, come! Oh, come, Emmanuel! The first candle represents hope. As we light the candle, we vow to not lose hope because the object of our hope is most certain. Whatever uncertainties or disappointments plague your life, may you be comforted today by hope in the one who does not disappoint. Would all of you turn in your bulletins to Romans 15, 13, and let's read that together. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Bob, Soraya, Kathy, would you come and read for us Pastor Josh's sermon this morning? I hope we can do justice to this sermon. <clears throat> there was no Christmas that year. The nation was in turmoil. Injustice and hatred were rampant. Godly values had become unpopular and scarce. On a national level, things were, were bleak. The economy grew increasingly dismal as nations in the East gained increasing control. Politics were unstable and contentious, and no amount of promises or policies could seem to fix it. And spiritually, things were a mess as well. Though there was an abundance of religious and spiritual interest, worship of the God of the Bible was at a low. There was no Christmas that year. There was no Christmas, but not because of any of those season reasons, but simply because the year was approaching 700 B.C., in the divided kingdom of Israel. There was no Christmas, not because of the moral, spiritual, political, and economic mess, but simply because the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem was still several centuries away. In each of those circumstances, the prophet Isaiah speaks. He speaks a message of hope the people of Judah. In chaotic and uncertain times, he speaks a message of hope to all who live in chaotic and uncertain times. He speaks a message of hope for you and for me. Okay. As we approach Christmas in our own chaos and uncertainty, we might seek a temporary solace in, in Christmas goodies or a favorite holiday movie. But when the goodies are gone and the show is over, we, we snap back to reality. You might look up and see the chair that will be empty this Christmas. Or maybe your attention is caught by the pile of mail full of bills you don't know how you will pay. Or you turn on the news 
and hear the latest dismal trends about pandemics, politics, and social unrest. Or you scroll through social media and lose all hope in humanity. We need more than Christmas goodies and sappy films. We need a hope that is certain. If you remember one thing this morning, remember this. Because of Christmas, we can all experience unshakable hope. Our journey of unshakable hope will start with the prophets, then move to the Gospels, and end in the Epistles. You might call it the hope of Christmas past, the hope of Christmas present, and the hope of Christmas future. We've already noted how dismal things were in the nation of Judah circa 700 B.C. Things were a mess politically, morally, and above all spiritually. The nation's glory days were but a distant memory. Stories were passed down about hope in David's royal line, but that royal lineage was all but spent. Nothing that inspired hope remained. The former blaze was snuffed out. The once flourishing tree was chopped clear to the ground, but the Lord gave this message to Isaiah. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, Isaiah 11.1. 1. Out of the barren stump of David's line comes a promise of hope, a promise of new life and new fruit. What is the source of unexpected hope? Isaiah's message continues. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The source of hope is not a what, but a who. From David's failing line will come one on whom the spirit of the Lord dwells. We come to discover that Jesus himself is the hope of which Isaiah speaks. Centuries before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Christmas hope was foretold. Isaiah goes on to tell how amazingly glorious is the hope that Jesus brings. The whole world will be transformed in ways never dreamed of. Okay, stop for just a moment. If you've spent your share of Christmas seasons at church, it's no surprise that Jesus' birth was foretold by the prophets centuries earlier. You've probably given and received Christmas cards with quotes from Isaiah. But stop and consider how these words would have sounded to those who first heard them. His message was this. Your world may be chaotic and confusing and seem devoid of hope, but there is yet hope. It is unimaginable hope. The glory days are yet to come. This hope does not come from political might, social reform, economic stability, or anything else, but simply comes from God. Count on, jo- on God as the true source of hope. Isaiah's culture was a lot like us. When things are chaotic and confusing and bleak, some look to political solution. For Judah, it meant forming political alliances, expanding military, or looking for <coughs> a new king, which usually meant killing off the current one. Others looked for a religious solution, but instead of turning back to Yahweh, they dabbled in other religions with hopes for better, quote-unquote, results. But for most, I suspect their internal hope meter 
just rose and fell with their circumstances. If the barley harvest was good, shekels are flowing in, family is home for the holidays, and test results were negative, then life was good. Otherwise, hope dwindles. But Isaiah speaks of a hope that is unshaken by circumstances. It transcends your current circumstances. And the truth is, everything else in which we place our confidence is susceptible to disappoint. But God, but hope from God is unshakable. Isaiah's lesson for you and for me is this. In God alone is unshakable hope. Isaiah's generation passed on, and so did the next and the next and the next, until hundreds of years passed. The glorious things the prophet spoke of had not materialized. In fact, things seemed to only get worse. And so it's understandable that many stopped hoping. How can we blame them? However, on that first Christmas morning, the long dead stump sprouted and hope was born and promptly placed in a feeding trough. We have Dr. Luke to thank for recording several details of Jesus' birth and for introducing us to many of the familiar Christmas characters. But Luke does not introduce these characters for the sake of Christmas quizzes and greeting cards. He tells their stories so we might learn from them. What might we learn from, these sh from the shepherds working the graveyard shift who were so excited to worship Jesus that they sprinted through the cold night air to attend the first outdoor service for worshiping Jesus. We might, what might we learn from Jesus, Joseph's honor, Mary's surrender, Herod's jealous hatred, or Zachariah's renewed faith? They all have stories to tell. But let me turn your attention to two unassuming characters who were among the first to meet infant Jesus on the day of his dedication in the temple. Their names were Simeon and Anna. Here's what I find remarkable about Simeon and Anna. Literally, centuries had passed since the Messianic hope had promised. And yet these two allowed this hope to shape the fabric of their lives. Notice how Luke describes Simeon in Luke 2.24. Now there was a man in, Jer in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolidation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It seems likely to me that the reason he was righteous and devout was because he was waiting for the con consolidation of Israel. In other words, when he fixed his hope on firmly on God's promise, this transformed the way he lived his life. On the same visit to the temple, Jesus was also met by an older woman named Anna. Luke describes her beginning in verse 36. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple, and she was very old. Her husband had died when they'd been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night worshiping God and fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly 
for God to rescue rescue Jerusalem. Anna was widowed just seven years into marriage. She spent the vast majority of her life as a widow, despondent, dependent on, and at the mercy of other people. But instead of becoming embittered about her life, she was fully devoted to worship her life. Her, her life centered around worship. She stayed in the temple day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. How could she worship? Not only was her nation in a dismal, oppressive condition, but her, her personal life was disappointing and difficult. How could she worship? The reason she was among those who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. What what would it look like for your life to be shaped by hope, to be waiting expectancy for Jesus to show up? Do you believe that Jesus is coming again and and will make all things right? Do you believe that Jesus is preparing a glorious place for you? Do you believe God is still in control of nations, including yours? Then live rooted in hope. Pursue righteousness and devotion like Simeon, and pursue worship and praise like Anna. If if Isaiah's message is, and God alone is unshakable hope, Luke's message for you and me is, live a life shaped, shaped by unshakable hope. And then the experience of hope, Romans 15 and 1 Corinthians verse 1. Isaiah calls us in God alone as unshakable hope. And Luke invites us to live a life shaped by unshakable hope. But how does hope actually work? Have you encountered someone whose hope is in God so firm that they are unshaken by tragedy, uncertainty, and chaos? You may find them inspiring, or perhaps you find them a little naive or denial of denial. But if this unshakable hope is indeed genuine, you sure wish you could experience it too. But how? Here Paul's words are helpful. In Paul's letters to the Romans, he actually quotes the same hope-filled chapter in Isaiah that we already spoke of. In Romans 15, chapter 12, he writes, And in another place Isaiah said, The heir to David's throne will come, and he will rule over the Gentiles. They will place their hope on him. Then he comments on the next verse. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you rest in him. Then you will overflow with with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. When Paul quotes Isaiah, we are reminded that God's hope is not only for a certain culture or a certain nation or a certain locale, but for the Gentiles, the nations, the peoples of the world. This is a great reminder for all of us who tend to see God as ruler of a nation rather than the ruler over the peoples of the world. But Paul's main point is about that this hope is available to you. His prayer for the Italian believers is our prayer for each other, that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace 
because you trust in him. Not only is true hope found in God alone, but it comes from God alone. He is the object of hope as well as the source of hope. His, he says we get it by trusting in him. And so that elusive hope marked by life of peace and joy comes through trust. It seems to work like this. Trust or faith is purely a gift from God. It is not something you conjure up through positive thinking. It is God who enables you to believe in him, even if your belief seems frail and untested. Then he invites you to respond to that gift of faith by walking in faith. Walking in faith is making the day-to-day -day decisions about what you will say, do, think, and love based on trusting God. You focus on who he is and believe what he says. Faith grows and matures as we walk in it. And whenever we are frail in faith, we call out to God like the distraught father in Mark who cried out, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And so as our trust grows, we experience a life of increasing joy, peace, and hope. As Paul says, you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that what we want, to overflow with confident hope? How is it? Now it is one thing to have a confident, positive outlook when things are going well. But the whole point is that things that God makes available a quiet confidence that remains intact even though times of chaos, confusion, or even trauma. If I can insert my own thinking here, it seems to me sometimes when things are going well, it doesn't seem like we're more dependent on God. Sometimes things are going well, it seems like we entrust our own behavior and are receiving our just reward rather than reversed when we're so desperately in need of hope as when we're striving for things when we're going bad. Furthermore, elsewhere, Paul writes to the Corinthians about comfort right in the middle of times of suffering and difficulty. He says, Trust or faith is, surely, is purely a gift from God. It is not something you conjure up through positive thinking. It is God who enables you to believe in him, even if your belief seems frail and untested. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us all in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And what a lesson when we're in comfort it's a time to seek others who need comfort. Then just a few verses, verses later our hope for you is unshaken for we know that as you share in our sufferings you will also share in our comfort. Let's put this together. Trusting God leads to unshakable hope. And in turn, this hope leads to a place 
where we experience God's comfort. That's what, isn't that exactly what we need, especially in chaotic and confusing times? If, I, if Isaiah assured us in God alone is unshakable hope, Luke invites us to live a life shaped by unshakable hope. Paul encouraged us to trust God and be comforted by hope. May the God of all comfort restore your hope today. Amen.